Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things at Manchester United. My name's Imran. I'm Colin. And we are coming to you after a huge win for Man United in the Manchester derby uh, that took place yesterday. So we're on Sunday today. Um, I mean, a great win. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about and we'll get through it all in this podcast. But Colm, general reaction to the win. And also, why does this win? And it might not for you, to be fair, but it does for me. So why for you does this win feel different to other wins against City? Because it's not like we don't beat City even when we're crap. We have beaten City before, but why does this win feel different? I think you've touched on it. Um, beating someone in the secure knowledge that you're still a bit crap is very different to beating someone when you're legitimately, you know, equals or, you know, in the same ballpark, at least playing the same sport, I would say, which it doesn't always seem um, has been the case in previous years. You know, we had a lot of Ole, you know, blood and thunder wins, you know, against lots of top teams, but it never felt sustainable. It never felt like the direction of travel. And it also felt like you were essentially compromising you know everything about playing the kind of football you want to play to get the win you know like you had to you had to set up in such a specific negative counterpunchy way and we did that in in patches yesterday we, we were certainly taking that role but it was just much more of an even split and also you know when we were on the ball we were able to really be incisive and show quality as opposed to just living off scraps and hoping for you know one great piece of play from one of our attackers or something like that you know we genuinely threatened throughout and we looked so solid in defense whereas i think a lot of previous city games it's felt like you know and they have scored a lot of goals against us lately and um, in recent years it's it's felt like you know they could cut through you at will and it just didn't seem that way as much because we're moving up as they're moving down probably a little bit at the moment um, in terms of their form and um, but i mean such a good win such a such a good good day you know it really yeah. it really um felt like a big game beforehand and i was quite confident as well which is a, a dangerous place to be um but luckily it all it all went about as well as it could be yeah i was thinking if you played it's one of those if you play this game 10 times how many times do you do you get a result and i was thinking actually if you played this if you played that game 10 times i could see us getting a result four or five of them out of them yeah, I think, I think it'd be pretty even. I think it'd be a few wins each, a few draws, you know. I, I yeah, really exactly. don't think, you know. And I, and again, I think, you know, the direction of travel of both teams is I'm not I think people are jumping on City a wee bit, you know, they're still like six points off top and could switch it on at any point. You know, Haaland has scored a bucket load of goals. It's just recently and some of the kind of optics and noise, particularly from Guardiola, just looks like they're they're going a bit stale. Um, currently and having a few issues with who plays and who doesn't play and some of their kind of leaders not really leading. Um, so mm-hmm. we're on the up there, a wee bit on the down, but that's only that's only for now. You know, we're we're kind of looking short term still and that's fine, but um, it's certainly better than <laughs> where it was. <laughs> well, I, I, I do want, I think we should touch on City a little bit later, uh, but let's talk about us first. But um, yeah, it was a great win and uh, being at the ground and it, it just felt like a really great moment uh, for the team. For the connection with the fans and the team celebrating after the game, it was one of those where no one rushes to to Leave. go home afterwards. Everyone was kind mm-hmm. of sat sat in the stands, just soaking it all in. It was a soaking really yeah. great win. Yeah, great atmosphere. As loud as Old Trafford's been all season, um, up there with the Liverpool game, I would say. And 
Yeah, it was just. I mean, you, you, you. I'm sure everyone's seen the celebration videos from the players after the second goal and at full time. You've got Rafa Varane just geeing up the crowd and looking like he's having the best time ever for a man who's won the World Cup and <laughs> a gajillion Champions Leagues is quite something. Um, it, I mean, it's just it, the the atmosphere is fantastic. The feeling around the club is fantastic, and it's really all down to one man, and that man is Mister Eric Ten Hag. Yeah, it definitely is, and it's so like. <sighs> Obviously, we've been, you know, we've been through it. We've been, we've been struggling, you know, for a large number of years now. Certainly not a small number of years. Someone said like a decade before, and it's like when you start to think about things in terms of decades, you know, time is passing. And even at that, you know, support United is always, it's always good. You know, there's, it's frustrating. It's annoying at times. It's it's been that way, but now it's like that extra. It's re- it, it, like it makes your week. Do you know what I mean? It's not. Sometimes it feels a wee bit like a chore. Sometimes it depresses you. Sometimes it really frustrates you. These are the times where it like really adds value. Like I was consuming every bit of media I could around generally football, but also just anything to do with Man United, all those post-match videos, you know, watching, you know, YouTube content that I normally wouldn't bother with because I just, I've kind of a little bit sickened of it, you know, having watched a match, talked about it, and and then you've hit your limit. Whereas like, after a match like that, you feel like you could talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and listen to it and listen to it and listen to it and listen to it, and it just keeps adding a little bit more value each time, which is obviously a lovely feeling for everyone's week. Um, and that's so cool. And as you say, it really is down there, Ten Hag. I mean, I I kind of a lot of sort of stats have been thrown out this week in the build-up to this game and I kind of was underestimating just how good we've been or just how impressive some of the records we're currently setting are you know I mean there's the the first one I saw this week was that he's the quickest manager ever to get to 20 wins you know in something like 29 Mm -hmm. games which is obviously crazy that we are undefeated in like our last nine having won them all you know across all competitions yes the list of teams is not prodigious but you know (laughs) it is after beating City so there's kind of a lot of stats that are coming out now that all look like alarmingly positive. Mm. And I mean, even before this game, like going into the game, I was feeling fairly like I did. I, did, I wasn't sure we were going to win, to be honest with you. Like I, I never feel that confident going into big games. But what I did feel was like we were going to compete regardless. It wasn't going to be a, a 6-3, 6-2, 6-1, whatever. I felt like we were going to compete. And that was enough for me. Like as long as we're going to the game competing and showing that we're not there to be absolutely just manhandled, then that's progress and that's some that's where we want to be. Because obviously, we're, you can argue maybe we're not quite at City's level yet, obviously, but we're getting there and that's that's signs of progress. Um, but the funny thing was before the game, I think when the starting lineup came out, I think a lot of people were a little bit worried, a little bit concerned um, about some of the choices in there, namely um, Martinez not in the team, Shaw at centre-back, Matt Malassi at left-back, and then Fred in there, um, with Anthony on the bench, uh, Bruno on the wing, and then Martial starting up front half fit. Um, and yet, what I would say again, like people are concerned, but everyone's like, fair enough, we all trust Eric Ten Hag, and that's quite a good position to be in. Yeah, it definitely is. I also thought, like, I only sort of saw that afterwards. I didn't really get the, I think I was just busy or whatever, but I didn't really get the kind of the nervousness um, pre-game when I saw the lineup. Um, and obviously you were probably out and about the ground, so was Nick, but I only really got that after a lot of people commenting after you know oh when it, when when the team sheet was announced I was really nervous I was really surprised I was really this that and the other I kind of thought that was a bit a bit unfair I mean Shaw yes okay it's not a large sample size but he looks like our best centre back like it's not an exaggeration Martinez you know I don't think that's a a bad choice um you know I was kind of expecting Martinez to start but if he's not fit and he's not quite back at it. Luke Shaw has been immense, you know, and of course City's a different prospect, but equally City aren't going to like brutalize you. It's not really City or a big team that I would fear with Luke Shaw, you know, it would more be uh, a kind of a mid table or someone really kind of who's going to test you physically. And I know we're talking about Erling Haaland, but City don't really provide for him in the same way. Like they're not hitting balls into the channels for him to chase and for him to kind of go one on one and bully centre backs. He's either getting away from you and scoring or he's doing nothing, you know. So I wasn't really so concerned about the Shaw thing. Fred in midfield, I thought, just made all the sense in the world. I really liked that he changed to a, to a kind of bolstered midfield three as opposed to the kind of 10 more obvious kind of sitting as one of the front four and um, i thought that just made all the sense in the world because that's where city are going to kill you you know and um martial one of those things 
if he couldn't start, and I appreciate he came off at half time, but if he couldn't start, I think it's a completely different game, you know, because there's no one else there. And you then have to really rejig things, play Rashford through the middle, maybe, you know, start Garnacho or Anthony, and it's just much more much more difficult, I think. And obviously I'm sure it will come on to Marshall, but there's still worse than what he was able to do in the first half, and um that still remains a big a big area of concern, you know. I I I mean, I would disagree, I think, if you took Marshall out. And put Rashford up front. I think it just depends. The same. It just um, depends. I thought Marshall was went... terrible. But, but who are you yeah. playing then on the left? Garnacho start? No, well, you'd put Bruno on the left and Anthony on the right, and I think largely the game goes the same way. Oh, um, I don't think so at all. I have to say. I mean, Rashford's holding. I just don't see there. what Marshall did that made us made us any better. He, he wasn't really holding the ball up. He was very much caught on his toes a lot of the time. Like. I mean, all of this is prefaced by the fact that he's he wasn't fit. Fair enough, he wasn't fit. But then, yeah. you know, Martial can do this when he is fit, so whatever. But like a lot of no, the time, think... the ball would be going down the channels and he would be the one caught on his toes while Ake and Akanji had like a yard start on him because they were lively to get the ball. And you just think we've turned over a position there where Martial could, in theory, be the one to get the ball first. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. And I, I, it's almost odd that I'm going to have to take the position of defending Martial because I've been doing the opposite on Redcalf the last two days. And broadly, I'm pretty low on him at the moment um, for lots of reasons. And as you say, yes, it all has to be viewed through the lens of him having a niggle or whatever, which is its own frustration and its own negative. So it's not like a, it's not as if to say, oh, he had a niggle so no one can analyse his performance or no one can critique him because that niggle is part of the critique. It's every other game. It's every other week. He's not reliable, and that's the that's the biggest issue with Martial. Never mind the big debate about whether he actually is a really good nine or not. Um, in terms of yesterday, I think whilst I agree with you, I think he did hold the ball occasionally. You know, it stuck on him a few times. He was able to kind of develop and link play a few times. For me, it's a pretty low bar that Imran. I agree. You know, I think people are saying, "Oh, that make you can see he makes us play so much better." I think that's the lowest of low bars. I think any passable nine pretty much does that, probably more often even than Martial, because yesterday, you know, you could see there was just a movement issue. He wasn't putting himself about as much as he ever does. You know, he wasn't making kind of really dynamic runs. It was all very plodding a little bit. However, I just think the main thing is as soon as you move Rashford into the middle, you know, the two great chances that he had, you don't get because he's because they're coming off the left, you know, him making that run. And you might say, oh, well, Bruno gets that chance, but no, he wouldn't because he plays completely differently off the left. Mm. Could have started Garnacho, and he will make chances and get those same chances. And arguably for Rashford's second chance, Garnacho might have done a bit better because he has that close control when he's kind of running a full tilt. But that's a big risk to give him the 90 instead of as an impact sub. So it's not so much even, you know, I think Martial did a basic job as a number nine in the first half, probably struggling a bit with his mobility. Um, but it's just that it allows Rashford to to play where he is playing best. And that if that's where your best chances come from, as soon as you move Rashford off that left wing, you're not guaranteed to get those chances anymore in that same way because the ball's not moving around the pitch and not sticking with the nine and, and the nine's not dropping deep to give Mar- to give Rashford the cover to make that run in behind, you know. And as soon as you start moving that personnel around, and I'm not, I think what Rashford can be a decent number nine, but he won't be as good a number nine as he will be off the left wing. And therefore you're, you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah, I get that argument. Um, I mean, obviously, it's complete. You don't know how he's in a completely, completely different game. But um, I was just very disappointed with Marshall. And that, funny yeah. enough, actually, before the game though, like if you say Marshall's fair, I'm like fair enough, he, you put him up front. That's where he starts. He's our starting number nine. Fair enough. I was actually more concerned with Malassia at left back. Um, not that I think Malassia's bad or anything but you know a big game i think last year's a, a decent left back good standing left back but we have a world-class left back in luke shaw and yeah. I, I i think luke shaw's amazing i mean this will become the the luke shaw is incredible five minutes of the podcast and i think he's a tremendous player one of our best players we have and i have no problem with him being center back and i trust him completely but when you he is at center back he's a, a very good to excellent center back when he's at left back he is a world-class best left back in the world and i think we lose that but I don't. It actually didn't turn out that way because I thought he had a good game. Yeah, I also think if we're dominating the ball, then you definitely miss out on Luke Shaw at left back. You know, I think when you're playing City and you're expecting to have 30, 40% of the ball, Luke Shaw's ability from left back gets a bit neutered anyway because he's going to spend most of the day defending. Um, and whilst Luke Shaw is brilliant on the break and a brilliant ball carrier from left back, obviously you lose that. I still think the trade off's not too bad. And actually, Malassia was really decent and I thought the ref helped him out a bit. I thought he could have been booked, you know, quite early in the first half on another day, which might have 
made it a more difficult day for him. But um, the ref was broadly quite good. I think with letting you know niggly fouls go, and uh, Malassia was just like smashing through the back of Maris every time he got the ball, and I I just like that. I think that's a good way to particularly for a winger like that to to do it. Um, still not really getting much of a um attacking output or product from him, which is a little bit of a shame, but. Uh, he's such a good deputy there, I think, at, at just the right age and just the right kind of mentality that I'm 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 never really that troubled by seeing him start because I think he's solid. Yeah, he is solid. Uh, and he's pretty much when you have a when you are a backup left back, you want solid. You don't you don't want world class backup left back because then he'll fuck off yeah. somewhere. So yeah. you know, it's, it's exactly what we need. And he did a good job, and so did the man on the other side of the and and I am very quick to criticize this man, so I feel like if he has a good game we should be quick to praise him as well. And that's Aaron Wan-Bissaka, a man who last year at times didn't even resemble a footballer. Um, and yesterday resembled a very good footballer. Um, one who could actually control the ball, pass the ball, be composed, skillful. I was quite worried, actually. I was thinking, usually when we play City and you put in Wan-Bissaka, it's fine because he's up against Sterling and Sterling's a moron and just runs at him for 90 minutes. Yeah. And that's, that's perfectly fine for Aaron Wan-Bissaka. But we're up against Foden, who it's all about sharp passing and quick movement and stuff and that's where Wampasaka could switch off but actually Foden was a non-entity in the game and Wampasaka was very comfortable and then showed off some very very fancy footwork as the game went on and actually it was his pass that created the first goal yeah totally um you know as I mean like you and everyone will know my default position is to criticize Aaron Wampasaka like <laughs> almost like a punching bag and I don't you know shy away from that I have some very strong opinions about Aaron Wambasaka and how his United career has been and the kind of footballer he is versus the kind of right back I want slash we need so it's interesting you know yesterday that was probably my favorite part of it because it was just so surprising and so good and therefore so kind of pleasing and heartwarming uh, and also such a, like a little conundrum to understand why he's you know able to play like that and have a few thoughts about that um as you say you know i saw a clip midweek before this game of like phil phone must have been last year or the year before like it, it, someone raised it as a reason why aram saka is good against a certain kind of winger and not good against another kind of winger as you just you know made a reference to i.e if someone runs at him he will win tackles but if someone is cute and clever and has very good close control and kind of plays and moves he will really, really, really struggle. And it was Phil Foden basically exhibiting that, you know, a year or two ago or whatever. I can't remember from which derby it was um, from. But that's kind of what you expect. I mean, Foden was anonymous in this game. Um, they are really struggling with their wingers and their kind of creative input outside of De Bruyne. Um, generally, it's a big problem for them and their fullbacks becoming, you know, just regressing massively, I think, which is the, the big issue at City. Um, but like, Aramam Saka was quality. And as you say, he was the absolute catalyst in the second half. Like, he was just solid in the first half. That was fine. He didn't really have much to do and didn't really do much of note. And then in the second half, I mean, he just, I would hesitate to say it, but took the game by the scruff, you know? Like, they scored and we reacted. And a big part of that reaction was Aaron Wambasaka dribbling past four or five players in one phase, you know? And also <laughs> finding the pass afterwards, you know, he was... He's always had this, I mean, obviously we know he used to be a winger and then converted to a right back who would dominate uh, Zaha, you know, and uh, his lore began. But he's always had decent dribbling skills in that in, in periods he can really beat a few men, you know, with kind of dribbling moves. Um, and then at other times, you know, his close control, his passing, his touch let him down awfully. But his dribbling when he's moving with the ball has always been okay and yesterday it was exceptional I mean exceptional he won't have a game like that again ever in terms of dribbles if Garnacho or a winger or Anthony had a game like that in terms of dribbles I think he'd be saying it was unbelievably good so for him to do it um you know on successive challenges was just so good but afterwards he was finding the right pass and like breaking lines with the pass passing forward and in field and as you say sets up um he plays the pass he sort of beats two men and then plays the pass into Casemiro for Casemiro to play for the offside goal and it was just so good and without him doing that I'm not sure where that little spark comes from in that game, you know. So unbelievable, full credit. And just why is that, you know? Like, why did mm. he appear more solid? Why did he appear more confident? A break, you know, obviously we've seen a lot of players struggle under the lights of Old Trafford for the last two, three, four, five, six years. It hasn't been a place for players, particularly English players, to come and feel comfortable or feel nurtured or feel, um, you know, like 
the scrutiny of the world is not upon them. And he's been completely out of the team since Eric Ten Hag came in. Dalo has been getting better and better and better. The majority of the fan base, and certainly Ten Hag, I think, think that Dalo on the ball is is much better and therefore much more valuable. Um, but like, it since the World Cup and Dalo's injury, he has been such an able deputy, so solid. Mm. The odd minor mistake defensively, but all very much in the forgivable realms of normal football where people make mistakes. And then yesterday, I mean, he had his assist, you know, in his first game back that he kind of dove for and crossed in, which is a good assist. And then, you know, he's kind of gone on and shown a little bit more attacking impetus. And then yesterday was just as as well as I've probably ever seen him play, um, which is just fantastic mm-hmm. and good for him and good for us because yeah. we might not have to buy a right back if he's happy to to kind of battle it out with Dallow, you know. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I still think he will not quite be good enough on the ball, particularly in a game where we have the ball. But you know, we're seeing what confidence and, and man management and, and a good system can do for a lot of players. And I think that's a part of it as well. Playing with Ram beside you, playing with Casemiro in front of you, playing with midfielders who always give you an option as opposed to Scott McTominay who goes and hides behind the nearest opposing player. It makes it much less isolated for a lot of our players and, and allows them to have easier passes and, and more obvious decisions to make rather than kind of having to go it alone and then fucking it up and then feeling like it's all their fault kind of thing, which I think is something that happens has has happened across the pitch you know i think um <clears throat> it makes you wonder like what players can eric, can't eric ten hag improve um <laughs> i mean one second next maybe sancho next okay there's van der beek but you know the man's not a miracle worker you know we've got to <laughs> got to give him some parameters to work with it um but well, i mean that's it's, pretty it's just t- that's pretty timed because poor donny is um poor donny yeah that is po- suffering i did feel um so that's i mean unless uh he has some magic sponge to rub on Donny's knee then there's not much more he can do about that which is a shame for him a shame for us um and a bad time for everyone involved yeah he's out for the rest of the season we wish him all the best um like yeah we, we poke a bit of fun but it's really bad injury and you hope he gets better and to be honest with you with that injury he probably won't be sold in the summer um, I agree so he probably will be around next year uh or he'll yeah. go on loan but uh, I, I think Ten Hag might want to keep him around and keep him as an option and we'll see maybe maybe he will create a footballer out of him yet um yeah. but we'll see um just to round off the defense obviously we had Shaw and Varane in the middle <clears throat> both looking excellent Varane absolute classy operator as always we come to expect it is mental that we got him for 34 million uh he's probably the best center back in the league at the moment and <laughs> yeah it's I mean he's a world cup winner he's a champions league winner he's won, won everything and he's coming here and he is not phoning it in anyway he is a class class center half a class act and playing alongside him must be an absolute joy and then Luke Shaw basically pocketing Haaland, who did pretty much nothing all game apart from one air shot because of a Casemiro tackle. And I mean, does Haaland make City worse? Maybe. I don't think so. Uh, but it's yeah. it's weird to make a team worse when you've scored 50 billion goals. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's, I, I don't think the issue is Haaland. I think it's their, and by there I mean Pep's rigidity to a system that fit his players four years ago and doesn't fit his players now. So and um, i think so much of their tactical instruction limits them and limits their creativity and i think over the course of being there for three or four players creative players wide creative players particularly just get worse because they they get more and more robotic essentially um, and i would have big concerns for Foden, for Grealish, um because a they don't get consistent playing time and b they seem so laden with instruction that they kind of lose the player they were that made them so good in the first place. So I think it's a creativity mm. issue around Haaland. I don't think Haaland's the issue. Match that they actually had a decent bit yesterday where they showed the runs that Haaland was making and the, the big, big gaps that were potentially there to be exposed. And the ball never went, you know. And at the start of the year, all we were seeing was Kevin De Bruyne slipping in through balls behind high lines and Haaland just beasting defenders and scoring one-on-ones and they've just stopped doing it for some reason and like the to be runs fair, were there yesterday we made it hard from yesterday because well we had Fred in there to do a basically a man marking yeah. job on yeah. um yeah. Kevin and also yeah. Ericsson was basically never within five with uh, always within 5 yards of Rodri yeah. and you're basically cutting off those two players um making it hard for them to get the ball in and out of their feet um, stopping their creativity. And the one time Kevin Bruner did get some space, he created a goal. So it kind of shows how reliant they are on him. But you basically got Fred doing that job, Ericsson doing that job on Rodri. And I don't think Ericsson had the, the best of games, to be fair, although he did actually set up both of our big chances in the the first half. First half. Well, yeah. two, of our, two of the three. And um, 
in the second half he did tire, but he was doing that job in Rodri and he was doing a decent job. Um, and then, yeah, it makes it hard for City to actually get the ball. And then you've only got Bernardo Silva, who's also not having the best season. Um, no. And when he's on the ball, he's kind of like picking it up everywhere and not really in the right areas, I guess, because he's just looking for the ball deep. And City are happily playing it around on the halfway line and Bernardo Silva happy to pick it up there, but he's not picking it up in the advanced areas. And we were happy for them to play it around at the back. We weren't pressing high. We weren't doing a high press at all in this game. It was basically just defend after halfway and send the ball out wide to wingers who, as you said, ineffectual because they're just not really doing anything. <clears throat> it's funny on Grealish. I actually thought Grealish was City's best player when he came on. And I always think City, I always think Grealish for City looks better when he comes on because he's less robotic. Yeah, exactly. When he starts again, he's like, when I they have need him to come and to do something, he's definitely yeah. better. Yeah. Well, he, and, when he starts again, he like, really I've got likes my... playing against us. He does like playing against us, that is true. Um, but he's got his pre-match instructions of, I've got to do this, got to do this. But when he comes off the bench, it's more like, well, I've got to, I've got to, to do something, and then he actually does like he can he seems revert back to his old game, like where he picks up the ball and like dribbles across the pitch well, exactly. and gets fouled and he, five times. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Grealish, Grealish's Grealish's instruction should be get the ball and run. He should be yeah. dribbling at fullbacks slash into the middle of the pitch and you know making things happen. And he doesn't get allowed to do that. Basically, it's it's mental to me. And like you can't knock it. City have been unbelievably successful. You know, Pep's. <sighs> you know footballing mind is really beyond question at this point i think but it's 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 weird sometimes honestly it's weird sometimes and um yeah i think Grealish is the perfect example and i just think he was a united player all over and uh, i appreciate he's already won a lot at city um and i'm sure he will win more but i can't help but sigh you know we'll talk more about this game after this quick break Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. So we actually touched on Fred. Um, Fred, who I... Th- I mean, this was a game made for Fred, wasn't it? Running around, yeah. putting in tackles, um, being busy, just showing what good Fred can be. In fact, not good Fred, great Fred, because I thought Fred was great today, yesterday. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I just think Fred is the perfect squad option in that team, you know, and I think that's fine. I just think that was always meant to be his role. And there might be purple patches where, you, you know, you want to play him four, five, six, seven, eight games in a row. But more often than not, it's going to be 30, 40 minutes, you know, every other game and the odd start when we really need him. And I just think he's great. I just think he's brilliant. And I think him coming into an established midfield is such a better position for him to be in, you know. And there is a big kind of common denominator here, I think, which is the absence of Scott McTominay. And that's not, I I really don't want to just, you know, hammer him, but you're just seeing at the moment and obviously he's being compared to you know Ericsson a, a top top quality midfielder Casemiro a top top quality defensive midfielder and you know yes you're saying that perhaps why we were saying we needed a DM for all those years and perhaps why we were saying that McFred was just never going to be good enough to to be a top four team you know basically um, but when those players are out of the firing line and out of the spotlight and just coming in for part roles that are so important but you know in a very specific targeted way come on and do this or you're starting this match to do this you know to hound Kevin De Bruyne to get amongst it and to, to give us energy in a three-man midfield and they just go and fulfill that task in the way that a squad player should and that is honestly so important to squad building so important to top teams to have those players who perform functions for certain games keeps the squad mm. fresh keeps competition keeps people motivated but it doesn't it doesn't mean you're relying on players who don't fit 
or, or aren't good enough to produce week in week out or, or don't suit every game or don't suit every partnership you know and that's where we were for so many years and, and we're Eric Ten Hag has taken us out of that immediately yeah so we did win 2-1 we, we conceded a goal but we don't need to talk about it much it was a goal we scored it whatever I don't really want to talk about it um I don't actually watch their goal back you know <laughs> I think from, to from, be honest from, Kevin De Bruyne kind of picks up on Rashford and then Rashford goes back with him and just stops and Kevin De Bruyne keeps going and from there everyone is struggling Casemiro goes across can't really engage with him because he's already kind of a yard behind him the whole team it was just in a, in a part of the game we were just sitting back and sitting back we didn't really come out in the second half and um, our entire defensive line is basically in the six yard box slash on the goal line and you know that's that's not going to win you many prizes but it doesn't really matter as you say mm. but I mean the big thing is there. So we conceded the first goal, and actually, when we conceded the first goal this season, I believe we've only won once, I think, and that was the Everton game, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone will fact check me on that. But we, basically, when we go ahead this season, we always win. We've got 100% record when we go ahead. But when actually, when we concede first, uh, it's less clear. And I don't know about you, but when we went 1-0 down, I wasn't, I didn't feel like we, we were going to, not to say that I completely wrote us off, but I didn't feel like, oh, we're definitely coming back into this. Um, there's definitely a goal to be had here. I was feeling a bit, oh no, it's just going to be like a a battling one nil loss. I don't know where 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 were you at at one nil? No, I was I was pretty pessimistic because we'd had such a good first half and we'd had chances. And when that happens, especially against top teams and the kind of seesaw of you know pressure and and uh, confidence kind of teeters the other way, you feel like you've missed your chance a lot of times in big games. You know, whereas against maybe other teams, you think we'll always have chances, we'll always get back into this. You don't necessarily get that gift against top teams in big games. And um, I was watching my brother and my dad and I said, I don't see us. I struggled to see us kind of scoring a goal, you know, more than one in the game. And now with, you know, 20 minutes left or whatever it was, I was like, I just don't, I just don't see it. You know, I I didn't Mm -hmm. think we'd get the response. I thought, you know, at this point as well, it's worth noting, we had a Rashford who you know had a hip issue it looked like and then oh, your favorite version of Rashford he definitely wasn't smiling so you must have yeah been exactly very wounded wounded injured playing through pain Rashford is the guy I want um, because that's always <laughs> that's always worked so well for us and definitely was happier times for me and um, not Rashford um as evidenced by how much he smiles on the football pitch we all love it we all love it so much let's talk about it as much as possible um so yeah we had that obviously at the end of the first half I was surprised he came back out I thought that looked pretty bad don't know whether he got an injection at halftime or what then Martial comes off we're playing kind of a false nine sometimes Anthony through the middle none of it looked good I wanted Garnacho on instead of Anthony but obviously the the kind of the tactical kind of where he wanted to put people didn't really work out with that so I was like we're getting worse in this game you know this game is moving away from us and it's there's kind of only one direction of travel and then they start to mount pressure mount pressure and score and I just didn't think with Martial off the pitch not that Martial had been great but just the disruption to our front line you have potentially mm. a half injured Rashford and a now absent Martial and a pretty thin bench attacking wise and I was like I just don't think I don't think we're coming back here I don't think we have a goal in us you know yeah I think um so after Martial went off it was Anthony up front for a while that yeah. didn't work and then it was Bruno up front as a false nine for a while and that didn't work and that was that 20 minute spell where City got on top of the game and it was their only real spell in the game where they were in full control uh, when in the first half I thought we were even though they had all the possession they weren't really doing anything and we no I mean we had the clearly chances. the better chances and the better football yeah. played yeah they only had the Kyle Walker strike which I genuinely thought was in by the way when I, I sat right I, behind I, it see I at thought, the time that I, remember, I didn't think I didn't think it was that close and then I saw a replay from like behind them it was so close oh, it was really be, be, was from so behind the goal that yeah. looked like it was in 100%. Like literally a bit, of, a bit of swerve in the last second of that shot Oof. is what took it away. And I, I, at the time, I did not think it was that close until I saw actually a replay this morning. I was like, whoo, if that had went in, that could have been a different game. You, you can tell by the crowd noise as well, because instead of a way or a uh, it's everyone goes, Ooh. <laughs> 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 That's how you could tell it was close. Um, so, yeah, we did get back in, though. And that's a... Shows a, basically a testament to the, the the squad spirit, the mentality that we currently have. You know, we're Aaron Wan Bissaka, Aaron Wan Bissaka. But I mean, if you were to beat City, does it make it worse that it's a controversial goal, or even sweeter? Um. Well, listen, you score a goal, you score a goal. It's only controversial for you know five percent of the goal. You still have to do all the rest of the stuff. You know, you still have to <laughs> put the ball in the net. You still have to build up the play. You still have to play the pass. Do you know what I mean? So, for me. It's not the main talking point. You deserve to get back in the game because you created the chance. If you if it's a hurl line offside or something, that doesn't really change 
all the effort it took to put yourself in that position anyway. And for me, I mean, we may as well just talk about it. For me, it's offside, right? I'm quite clear well, yeah. on this. Um, I think, and I appreciate there's this whole debate around what the rules are now, and that's fine. I understand, and I agree. Well, let's cover it in Actually, two sections. Let's cover it in yeah. two sections. By the spirit of the offside rule, not by what's in the law, not by yeah. what's in the law or anything, by the spirit of offside, do you think it's offside? Absolutely, 100%. And anyone claiming otherwise yes. is biased, I, I think. Yeah. In my mind, in my mind, offside should be, if a player is running towards a ball, he's offside. If a player is stood in an offside position and someone plays him the ball, him the, like quite clearly plays him the ball, he's offside. Like, yeah. That, that to me, and I'm not, I appreciate that's not in the rules, so before anyone's shouting, that's not in the rules, what are you on about? We're just talking about the whole spirit of the idea of offside. Personally, for me, as soon as Rashford runs towards that ball, he should be offside. That is not in the rules, though. So now we have a different conversation. And I'm sure you agree with, it, agree with those sentiments? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now we talk the law of the offside. So by the law of the offside, by what's written in the law of the game, do you think it's offside? Uh, well, I, firstly, I think it's... it's there's ambiguity, but no, basically. And, and and that's I think they've written it poorly. See, I I am I think it's a fifty fifty call by the laws because I don't think he actually I mean, at the at the time I thought, oh, he's definitely impacted the city defenders there, but I actually don't think he's impacts either of the city defenders. Akanji is always about two or three yards away from the ball. He's sprinting, but the ball is moving faster than he's sprinting, so he's not getting there. Um Cal well, Walker's coming across to Bruno Fernandez anyway. But and so in the law of the game, it's basically, is he affecting an opponent's ability to play the ball or impacting an opponent? And I do not think he's impacting either of those defenders because I don't think they get there. But what he does impact is Edison. Yeah. I think Edison behaves completely differently if he knows Rashford's offside. I completely agree. Yeah, completely agree. So if because I think Ed- you can see the out. thing that happens is, so Akanji is, is playing Marcus Rashford offside and he does that quite successfully. He slows down and then he turns around and looks and he goes, oh shit, there's another player there, you know? So Akanji has made a decision to play Rashford offside without any consideration of what's behind Rashford. So that's his bad. That's that's not good defending because he's not fully aware of the situation. And I agree with you. As soon as he makes that decision to play Rashford offside, wherever else that ball goes, he can't impact it. He's, he's declared himself out, basically, of yeah. that phase of play. And therefore... I agree. There's no interference with him because he's he's taken himself out of an ability to impact that. And uh, Kyle Walker, I think, probably could get in there a bit differently, but I agree it's kind of a 50-50, and I think you know, clear and obvious and all that kind of stuff is fair enough. I don't actually think either defender has been substantially impacted or interfered with to the point where they could have actually changed the, the, the flow of the game or the flow of that that play. The person who undoubtedly has interfered with is Ederson, because if Rashford, if the ball goes leaves Casemiro's boot and Rashford you know takes half a step realizes offside and stops and then Bruno runs forward and sweeps the ball in I think there's no debate because Rashford has taken himself out of the play he's not acted mm. in any way you know he's, he's remained neutral or, or taken himself out of the play but he doesn't do that he runs over the ball on top of the ball arguably shielding the ball you know but also with the ability to touch the ball take a touch hit a shot whatever and Ederson is playing to the whistle. You're supposed to play to the whistle as you see it. So Marks Rashford at any point could hit a shot and Ederson should try and save it because he, he can't know for sure if Rashford's offside or not. So he has to treat it as though Marcus Rashford can or is about to play that ball. And therefore, he sort of half comes out. I think Ederson could have been first to that ball or at least Yeah, I, I think he would enough. have been. Yeah, I mean, we or, all know at, at the end of the day. Particularly with the way he plays, exactly. Or at least close enough to, you know, immediately block it or whatever. So I think if he isn't considering Rashford, he goes out and he meets it basically first or at about the same time as Bruno. And then it's a different situation. Mm, Bruno I maybe think... rounds him, whatever else possible. But his f- whole decision making is 100% influenced and interfered with by Rashford. However, go back to the rules. Does that matter with the way that rule is written? It's very hard to say. Mm. it's a very wishy-washy and that's why I say it's 50-50 because it basically all in the judgment call the referee has to judge whether he thinks Edison is impacted and that's a, it is a judgment call it's not a, it's not a clear and obvious area and so you can see why they're giving the goal Yeah, I think Dermot Gallagher said he probably wouldn't have allowed he said by the laws of the game you can see why they've allowed it he probably wouldn't because you could disallow it again under the laws of the game and then you yeah. avoid any form of controversy. And that's probably not how you should be refereeing a game, to be fair. You should probably referee it how you think yeah. 
the I mean, situation I think, goes. I think the amount of like our time this has got is a bit much. Well, uh, the thing is, I do think it's a bit much, and obviously it's a bit much because a it's us, and b it's a city derby. But also, it kind of has a massive say in this title race because it kind of puts City out of it as much as we're in it. If we're yeah, in it, then City are in it, I, I would, guess. I would but not I mean, it's... be saying City are out of it in any way, shape, or form. City still, so still have to play Arsenal twice, and we'll talk about this yeah. later, so I don't want to even jump be, into yeah. it. But um, but no, I, I think, but that's fine. But, you know, you can't make, no one is making lifetime decisions based on the impact that they're having. You know, you, yeah, the, decision against, the decision against, you know, Wolves, yeah. Villa should be the same as the decision against United City. It shouldn't matter. It doesn't really enter my thinking. No. You know, we had the Liverpool goal against Wolves in the, in the Cup, you know, or the, the Wolves goal that wasn't. You know, we had yeah. the, the Liverpool goal that was, which was very similar to this one. And I don't hear anything about any of that crap. Do you know what I mean? So for me, <laughs> this one... I would feel hard done by. I still believe it's offside. I'm happy to say yeah. that. And I'm quite happy that I'm correct in that. Um, and I think it's funny now that people are belligerently arguing the, about the offside rule that they probably didn't ever knew or considered before United scored a goal in that manner. But yeah. yeah. But I just think it's like yeah. penalties. Or sorry, it's like handballs, Imran. You know, I think they have tried to clarify oh. these rules. And what they've done is make them even more complicated in an yeah, unnecessary they've got to fashion. Out. You know? But I mean, even every time I said, if that goes against you, you are livid and that's when, when any of these things i always try to think if that was went against me would i be happy and i definitely would not if city had scored that goal i would be yeah. raging so i think that's kind of it to look at it. but hey bruno fair play to him sweeps it Swept home it didn't yeah didn't have his best game run around a lot um couldn't really impact the game probably because he was out wide but even though even when he is out wide he's kind of basically just given free reign to to go wherever but he did have that chance in the first half, probably could have scored, but it was actually good to get him on the score sheet. We need him to score more goals, I think. Um, one thing that did strike me when Rashford was down, and I thought he was going to go off injured, is that without him, like you wonder how we're going to score consistently. And yeah. the person who should score consistently is Bruno, and he needs to, needs to chip in. Though. But it was, a, it was a good goal. And at that point, you think, well, we are back into this, but I don't think anyone thought, well, we're back, we'll be ahead within three minutes. But the man who changed <laughs> the game, Garnacho, comes on and created the winning goal um all he made a good run put through again i think by bruno it was again yeah it was yeah um messes up the first cross who he was aiming for one bissaka by the way who had made a great run down the, down yeah, the right wing I know. um <laughs> and then finds rashford who for some bizarre reason is just completely unmatched it was that was one of those goals where i actually in the stretford end i probably celebrated a half second behind everyone because i couldn't quite believe that rashford <laughs> was onside but- and unmarked six yards from the, the goal. It just made no well, sense. Funny. In my brain, I couldn't, I couldn't compute well, see, it. I had like a note to talk to you about this because I knew you and Nick were both in the ground and I uh, had consumed some media earlier in the day that said, you know, obviously for a game like that, the ground is the best place to be because you don't really question decisions or offsides or VAR. You just celebrate in the moment because you're surrounded by United fans and everyone celebrates. And if you then have to politely withdraw that celebration, then so be it. But you kind of just do it in the moment. Yeah. See, at... Uh, where I was watching it with my dad and my brother, I didn't celebrate either goal remotely because I was sure both of them were going to be ruled out. I was adamant that both of them were going to be ruled out. So when we scored the first goal, I said straight away, he's offside. He's interfering with play. This will be ruled out. And then it was given and I sort of went, haha. But like my brother had jumped up and celebrated and like had that moment and he was like shoving me and I was like, bugger off. All right, this is not a goal. <laughs> um, so that was weird. So I didn't celebrate that goal. And then this other one, I was certain Rashford was going to be offside. And I didn't realize that Garnacho was level slash ahead because otherwise I was like, he is so clearly offside that I just didn't celebrate until I saw about three replays. And then I was like, ha. But I didn't really celebrate either goal, which is really weird. It was really muted, you know, from me and my support. Um, It's bizarre defending because he's, he stood there for quite a while and neither Akanji or Akio thought I should pick him up. It's bizarre. I just don't think anyone's expecting Garnacho to go back down the outside. And this is the thing about Garnacho. First of all, I am so hot on Garnacho, it is not funny. Like, I really think he could be a special, special player. That's maybe not, you know, a razor insight at this moment in time, but he's just so good. And see whether he gets 90 minutes or 20 minutes, he makes things happen just regardless. He looks like he's been playing left wing for 30 years. He, lo- he just, it's so refreshing, but you just see him hug such a wide position. You know, all the balls that Maguire was able to spray out to him the other day, 
um, in the cup you know it was because he just holds this super wide position has a lovely touch and then just drives at a player into the box down the line cut inside happy to look for passes and cutbacks also more than happy to go it alone and he's been very unfortunate a lot of times he's got one-on-one taking a little touch inside and wrapped his foot around it going for the um, sort of bottom corner far post trademark kind of finish and he's been very unfortunate with hitting the post a few saves a few narrow misses you know and he just seems to have that down pat for such a player of such a young age it's unbelievable and against City that action so he initially comes in on his favoured right to play that first cross ball lands back at his feet and he doesn't even think about it he gets his head down and you should see like his body position is so low when he takes that touch on the outside he's so like natural in his dribbling and he just one big pump down the left hand side defender don't know who it is at that point is it um Kyle Walker or is it I think I think it was Walker no. I might be one of the center yeah. backs um, I think it's Ake actually and um and he just leaves him for dead and just straight away he doesn't even look he doesn't know he doesn't care he's just putting it across the face as you want a player to do and Rashford just kind of hangs in there when yes City kind of start walking out a wee touch and he's just on his own but it's so good from Garnacho. It's so two-footed, it's so willing to go either way, which, you know, when we watch Anthony, not to make it a rag-on-Anthony thing, but, you know, he's so left-footed, so cut inside, and he needs he needs to develop the ability to go down the outside because no matter how good you are, you know, I and Robin, you have to go down the other way once or twice to keep a defender honest. Otherwise, it, it's just too much of a giveaway to overcome when you're always coming in one side. And, like, I just think Garnacho could be so good and as i said i wanted him on at half time when marshall was coming off it's a shame he plays left wing because as i said earlier rashford has to play there because he's wow. so dynamic he's so good i mean he will get a lot of minutes for now in the end of the season uh, because i think rashford will constant continue to play up front right wing yeah. left wing it, wherever it, they're we happy to chuck to him play, right as well yeah, yeah 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 so uh but we need to get him signed up to a contract that's the main thing here Big because time. he is he is a talent. Um, yeah. Probably the the most sure I've been of a talent since uh, Greenwood. Probably, and less said about that, the better. But yeah. I'm very sure on Ganacho, and I'm you. I'm pretty pessimistic about our youngsters in general, but I'm yeah. definitely not on. Uh, I definitely think it's not a big ask, I think but he's... you know, with him, it's a mentality thing as well. You know, I know he's had the yeah. sort of discipline issues, and, and he clearly fancies himself, and that makes you think, oh, he might leave, or he might not sign a contract, or he might cause an issue. But at the same time, that arrogance and that belief and that kind of commitment to himself is is actually what you need and what you want Mm. you know and that's why he can come on in these big games or just in general and trust himself to just play and and he's like he's a defender's nightmare nightmare Mm. we're going to take another quick break and then we come back we'll finish up this game talk about about weghorst and if we're in a title race or not with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. And before we get into things, I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, footballprizes.co.uk. Footballprizes.co.uk, where you can bid on and win several great prizes from the football world and, in fact, the world of sport in general. And if you go on there, you can use the the code UH10. That's UH10 for 10% off. Um, yeah, get to footballprize.com.co.uk. Support the podcast. It's a great place to be. Right, back to this. So, 2-1 City. We are now a point behind them. Are we in a title race? It's the big question that everyone basically wants to answer right now. Um, I would say we'll wait. we have to wait, not just for this game against Arsenal that's going to happen today yeah. that's not happened yet, but mainly for our game against Arsenal next week, I think that's the big one. Um, because you, Arsenal beat us 
next weekend, and that puts them what nearly ten points ahead of us, nine points ahead of us. No, yeah. If they win today, um, if they win today. No, in fact, if they win today, they are nine points ahead of us, points. and then uh, and yeah, then there'll yeah. be twelve points, and then that is. Yeah. But like, we have, yeah. But we would still much. have a given hand, or no? No, no, no. We wouldn't. No. We'd be on. We'd, we'd play the same amount of games, so okay. twelve points if they beat us next weekend, yeah. and that two is two big six pointers. Yeah. Uh, I know they have to play City twice, but twelve points is a lot. So yeah. that's where I am at. We, I think today's basically today's game. If Tottenham do win, then potentially yes. But I think if Tottenham lose, then I think we've pretty much got top four sewn up actually, um, which is interesting. Uh, where are you anyway? Where are you at? Yeah, pretty much the same. I mean, I think as of today, I think yes, we are. I just think, as you say, in two weeks it could look very different. But then, you know, like Arsenal are not above shit in the bed either. And in three weeks' time, four weeks' time, two months' time, it could look completely different. Um, so as for now, I'd say yes, we are. Um, whether we remain is the big question. But that's the big question for everyone in the title race. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, the title race could come down to City United and Arsenal could fall away. You know, it's just one of those things. So you can only really look at it from, I think, the current position. And the current position is favoured by us having played this game week ahead of them. You know, so if, as you say, if they're nine points, if they played, you know, at the same time as us yesterday or on Friday night and they were nine points clear and we then got to six points, I think I would still say we're in a, we're in a, um, in a title run, you know, if it's nine points, don't know, don't know. But you just never know. We definitely are at the moment, I think. And, and the important thing is they play Spurs today. Anything can happen. They play us next week. I fancy us. They play City twice. You know, we've played mm. City. We've played City twice. We've played Arsenal. We're about to play Arsenal twice. You know, we've beaten Chelsea. We've, we've you know, Ten Hag has beaten all the big teams, all the big managers. Um, so it bodes well. Um. It's cool, um, but the thing that I think so much, Imran, is that we are an injury away from collapse, and that's just the way it is. We are, until we can buy more players and get rid of some other players, and that might not be possible for the rest of January. It might not even be possible in the summer, so it's very interesting to me. You know, Casemiro, and we didn't touch on him through much through the, the match chat, exceptional, unbelievable. His celebrations, his leadership, his mentoring of Matt of Rashford, is cynical fouls, you know, is passing, is through balls. Our player of the season, I think, and that's tough because Rashford has 16 goals and six assists, 22 goal contributions in 24 games or 26 games. So it's a tough one, to be honest, but Casemiro is everything to this team at the moment. Mm. And he went for a lie down in like the 80th minute um, and it looked, I thought he'd done his knee and then he kind of said to the physio, whispered in his ear and I said, oh, he's clearly fine. And he was just being... Yeah, he was a wily yeah. old veteran which was the appropriate thing to do something no one else would think to do or has ever done for us you know we're not one of those teams that has had the experience and the noose and the players to kind of do that um so that was fine but for like 20 seconds i was having heart palpitations and it's the same you know Varan could easily get injured rashford with his hip you know marshall mm. if i think i think for me go, it's it's Rashford and Casemiro for me. But then yeah. with Arsenal, you could say it's Od- Odegaard and Partey. Yeah, definitely. Like, definitely with Arsenal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, that or if City... Anyone. But also... I mean, if, you De- know, if De Bruyne got injured for City, I would, I'd worry about them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But And, and Varane, actually, you know, I could deal with Shaw and uh, Martinez, although I think it's it's too samey, you know, and you could yeah. maybe deal with Maguire coming in, depending on how it all goes, but that's a risk. But as you say, it's Casemiro and Rashford. But both of them, you know... it. <laughs> It's not like it's not been in their past, you know, and, you know, Casemiro was getting on a wee bit and stuff. So the title, you know, the whole, t- are we in a title push thing? You know, how does Veghorst do and how injury free can, can we stay? Because I think if we, if we, if we get good production slash good play from him, we're able to give Martial a bit of a break. Jaden Sancho might come back and everyone else keeps kind of ticking the way they are. I don't see us not being in the round you know, second or third within touching distance, you know? I don't see us being that outperformed by the other two. I mean, yeah, mathematically we are in a title race. Um, You'll always be in a title race if you're within 10, couple of points, you'll always be in a title race. So mathematically, yes. But yeah, I think it's, like you said, it depends. And also we've got some big away games coming up in the second half of the season. We've got pretty much all the big teams away, bar Chelsea and a Chelsea big team these days, who knows? But we we have Newcastle away, Arsenal away, Spurs away, uh, Liverpool away. So lots yeah. of big games, basically. So we, I mean, it could all look completely different, as Colm says. So and basically, just lots what we games, you know? Yeah, lots of games. Oh, yeah, I think we play we play weekend midweek now from now till the end of eternity. 
Um, But for me, I'm just enjoying the ride. And we are through to the semi-final of the League Cup, which was a big boost as well because City are out, which puts us as firm favourites in that competition. Funnily enough, actually, I think we are the favourites in the FA Cup as well due to the fact that City and Arsenal play each other and Liverpool have a replay. So I think we're actually the favourites in that competition as well, funnily. So our chances of winning silverware this season definitely on the up. Um, and for me, that's that's enough. That's enough currently. Uh, I'll be yeah, happy with the League Cup. In fact, it's more than enough. You know, yeah. To be in all four competitions is wild to me, you know, because it's not where we've been. If someone said to me, today you can finish fourth and win a cup guaranteed, I would consider taking that. If they said you can finish yeah. third and, t- and win a cup, I'd consider taking that. And that probably suggests to me I don't really think we're in a title race, you know, if that's the way I'm feeling. But it's more just that's that seems like a great success to me, you know, and it's maybe it not a realistic. It, maybe we should hope for more as of where we are now, but it's very hard for me not to gauge it from, you know, the last two years or where we were in the mm. summer or how I view us in this kind of Eric Ten Hag plan kind of thing. So it's great. From from City went out of the Carabao Cup, and I know like no one really cares about the Carabao Cup, but I would take anything. But from oh, the yeah. moment they went out, I've been having like this recurring nightmare of Newcastle beating us in the final and beating us <laughs> to top four, and having to accept the fact that Eddie Howe and Newcastle, in their current, you know, state of development, are better than us, and just being unable to do so basically, um, and and that just seems like a classic United ending. So. I just really want to avoid that. And so, you know, if we're looking at third and second rather than fourth, um, and if we're doing well in the FA Cup in Europa, you know, then that's all the better because I just have a real nervousness around playing in Newcastle. That's so horrible. Well, so the Europa League, we do have Barcelona. How how disappointed would you be to go out to Barcelona now in the situation? I think uh, not uh, really that earlier in the season. Yeah. So because early in the season, I was like, oh, big hopes in the Europa League because I feel like that's a, a great way to get into the Champions League. Like that's in a yeah. competitive league where we're currently at. Maybe you win in the Europa League is our best avenue in. But looking at the league now, looking at teams struggling, looking at opposition, like we should be making that top four. I'm very confident yeah. we'll make that top four. So actually exactly. the Europa League has less importance to it and it just becomes, it becomes about the trophy, not about the... Yeah. Not about the yeah, rewards. About the journey, not the destination. Um, yeah. yeah I, uh, I'm i just looking forward to it, but I agree. I don't really care. What would annoy me is if we absolutely laid an egg. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you know, just played really poorly or whatever. Yeah, I don't Barca, see that happening, though, with our no, team No, I don't now. really see I don't... it. I don't see it happening. I actually think we're quite a good antidote to Barca at the moment. Barca are really tidy going forward. Like, really tidy. Generally, playing the ball around and attacking, they are looking really good. But they are super frail. They are really leaky at the back as well so it's kind of that's not bad for us you know that's not bad for us because we look really stout defensively we have now a really set back line we have really a good structure you know you have you have Casemiro you have Martinez you have Varane you have Anwan Bissaka on his day you have Shaw you know we look solid and um, we are not conceding goals you know um, I think it was the first time we conceded at Old Trafford in you know a million years so that's unbelievable I think it was actually September from September 9th or something that was the first goal we'd conceded at Old Trafford could be completely wrong in that I think I heard it so that's good I just want good games and I think we have every chance of going through but if we go out and Barca play really well and it's like a close tie I'm not going to really cry about it to be honest because it's less no. games you know and we're still less in games other is, competitions and as you say we should comp- I mean not getting forced now to me is, is abject failure unless we get like really unlucky with injuries and that just totally trips us up but that's so locked in that I feel or it feels like it should be so locked in that I feel much less, you know. But I would love to win Europa. You know, it's a, I, I, I rate it as a competition. I have no issue. You know, it's not it's not like Champions League like to me. I think the quality of teams in it, you know, you, you can only be happy when you win a European competition. Mm. Yeah, so that's to come in Feb. We've got a lot of, I mean, as just to quickly touch on it, just so, because we're completionists here at United Hour. Uh, we did beat Charlton 3-0 uh, during the week. Uh, Colm, did you know that the Charlton manager is a uh, manager of Man United, uh, fan of Man United? Sorry, I don't think uh, no one ever mentioned it apart from every single second. Yeah, every um, single second. Uh, and you know, he got 15 minutes work Ten Hag afterwards, and uh, he loves it, so that's good. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he went home happy, man. Uh, do you have anything to say on this game? Anything um, other than just a nice, comfortable routine when at Old Trafford? Yeah, I'm struggling to remember anything about it. Um, Rashford came on, Anthony hit, scored, scored a, Anthony, Anthony scored, scored a beauty. A- yeah, scored a beauty. No, really nothing to say about that. Yeah. I, I mean, I did laugh when Rashford came on and just scored two goals. It's just like, 
Yeah. This man right. just yeah. poor child. This man comes on, just wangs in two goals. Yeah. He's incredible. Incredible. Um and so then the other big news this week is of course the signing of six foot six. Maybe the maybe the best actual name around Wout Weghorst, or is it Wout Weghorst? I'm not sure, but I mean a great name. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh big man. How are you how are you feeling about this transfer? Uh, super, super content with that. Um, I really like the idea of Turam. I still really do like the idea of Turam. Probably about to go to Chelsea, along with everyone else. Um, but I understand that you know any kind of fee, ten, fifteen million, as much as I think that looks like an absolute snip for a player of his profile. Um, which just wasn't on the table, and that's fine. And therefore, to go and get a deal like this done, I think is really very good. People have said it's a bit moneyball by the looks of things. Um, you know, there's a Dutch connection there. Um, he's done extremely well in Germany. He obviously scored two goals for Burnley and, you know, had some redeeming qualities, but it certainly wasn't a, 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 a spell that made anyone in the Premier League think they should try and buy him off Burnley or indeed loan him. Um, and then he, of his own volition, went to Bishtekas because he didn't want to play in the Championship because he wanted to go to the World Cup and, you know, he just sees himself as a little bit above that level and he's done very well at um in Turkey. So... I'm delighted. I am really delighted. I, there's so much. It just makes so much sense. You know, there's a little, a few bits and bobs to say he might be a bit of a COVID denier, which is fine. Um, you know, I don't think he's quite Arnautovic levels, who's also having a very good season after, you know, being linked with us in the summer. Um, for me, for six months, I would have liked to see a, a some, you know, buy option there in the deal, yeah. but I'm sure that can be looked at, um, you know, if and when it gets to the end of the season, I don't think he'd cost you an arm and a leg. I could see him scoring a few goals. More than that, I could see him just making us play better. I'm super interested because obviously the big debate at the moment is, did Marshall do anything? And, and on one hand, you have people saying, Marshall's amazing. Like, you just don't get it. You don't see the little things he's doing for our attack. And I personally think those are just the absolute basics that any decent number nine should do for you. And therefore, I actually quite expect Veghorst to come in, do those things. And also do some other stuff like really get after a backline press, generally be a bit of a monster that, you know, helps us more. Striker I've mm. wanted for a long time is Ivan Tony, and I actually think they're of a similar mold. You know, I think they put so much stress on teams um through lots of things and they hopefully score goals. But I just think I think it's a really good sign. Yeah, I'm uh I'm very happy with it as well. I'm actually probably way more happy about learning uh about where cost and I should be. Um but there's yeah, a couple weird, of reasons. It's a weird spot that. to be in. You know, it's a weird it is, spot. It to is, be but in. there's a couple of, one, like I trust Eric Ten Hag. I trust his tar- I trust who he wants to buy. I trust his targets. They've worked out so far. Fully part of him. Two, it's not that we've just gone out and got anyone. Because if we'd no. got gone out and got anyone, we wouldn't have got someone who was quite tricky to pull off. Because he was ultimately already on loan at Basic Tass yeah. from Burnley. It wasn't a straightforward transfer, which means that we actually identified him and wanted him. It wasn't just, oh, who's available? Let's yeah. get him in. There's like an actual rhyme and reason behind it. And that that is interesting to me. Um, yeah, he did I also do well. Think it, Burnley it, really fits, it really fits in Ten Hag's mantra that he's been saying about the right players, the right attitudes. It's all yeah. about mentality here. You know, that yes, we consider players, but the main thing is, do they fit? You know, and I think that's going to prove to be a big part of it. I mean, Everyone saw him, you know, against Argentina in the World Cup and kind of the way he can impact a game through, you know, pressure and the dark arts a little bit, you know. And I think he appears to have a very good mentality, you know, for Hmm. the kind of career he's had. So I'm just really interested. I think it's super shrewd. I think it's also, it's like no loss, you know. Like it's not like Jao Felix. Felix gets Jao Felix gets signed by Chelsea for twenty odd million and gets a red card and you know six months you've already lost him for a month kind of thing. You know, I'm so glad we steered away from that. You know, yes, there may have been a deal to do at a certain price, but I'm so glad that we just said no. That's that's ridiculous what you're asking. And now that Mm. Simeone's going to go, there's no future in it either. He will go back to Atletico or go somewhere else entirely. So you know, I'm so pleased that we're steering away from that. And he's not, you know, an Unless he does fantastically and we discover a gem, he's not going to be our number nine long term. You know, we we will probably look to buy a number nine in the summer. I'd be very surprised if we weren't, you know, unless it's a financial thing for some reason we can't get one. But we we will buy a top class, you know, leader number nine, I think. And therefore, Mm. the pressure is off this loan. You know, he just has to do till the end of the season. And anything beyond that is a huge bonus. You know, he might be the perfect second foil, second number nine, and happy with that at United. Um, and 
that'd be great and then there might be a long-term yep. future in it but we're not it's not we're not saying he's our guy for the next three years that's completely the opposite of what's happening so um that makes it pretty stress-free for me and i actually think that's the the kind of zone where transfers can work out so good and so much better actually than you thought in the first place where it actually you know i could easily i might look foolish here i could easily see him getting five to ten goals but making us play really you know i mean a little bit better just just giving us an extra dimension that we currently don't have that really works out and us then thinking wow this guy could do you know and i don't i think that would be silly to think that but i think you might almost be talking yourself into that position at the end of the year i'll double down i will not be surprised if he is our strike starting striker over marshall by the end of the season well i, th- I think that's highly highly likely because i think eric ten Hag has said all the right things with marshall knowing that he has to you know he's constantly backed him he's constantly said i want him i'm committed to him you know he does the right things for us it's just about load and it's about fitness and all this kind of stuff but he will be frustrated he will not he will be seeing the issues you know and i think he will i think Veghorst's reliability um his kind of ability to weather the premier league will immediately put him in that conversation and then he only has to do so much on the pitch to i think you know lift himself above that and it's going to be different strokes for different folks in terms of what game suits who but i don't know but i'm pleased i'm super pleased yeah um so we'll see how that works out he will probably be in the squad for the palace game that's on wednesday uh not sure we'll have a podcast after the palace game uh but if not we'll definitely have one after the arsenal game which is next weekend um is there any other business from UCOM before we head off not at all Good, good. Well, thanks everyone for listening as always. And yeah, we'll catch you next week. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to United Hour. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore Hour. Please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please email unitedhour at gmail.com. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.